0: Welcome home, this is Audio XP for the 14th of September 2019, and the title of this episode is Free Games and Fantasy Vikings. In this short podcast, we'll spend about 10 minutes on interesting or quirky geek news. Where are we getting this news from? From the Geek Native blog. Let's kick off by returning to a story that we last talked about in August. I asked back then what was going on with, with the cover for Eberron Rising from the Last War. Some people did not like that cover image, and they were not shy about telling Wizards of the Coast precisely what they thought. In reply, wizards seemed to flip-flop, sometimes suggesting it was a temporary cover, and at other times suggesting they like it. Now the book is getting a new cover. It shows a warforged wizard and a halfling companion on the front. It's a mix of magic and technology. On the back of the book, there is the halfling's companion dinosaur. Yeah, a dinosaur. And yeah, the companion has a companion. Welcome to Eberron. If you want to see those illustrations and a chart that compares and contrasts Rising from the Last War to the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, then check out the blog. The links are in the show notes below. Now, Wizards of the Coast are not the only publisher creating worlds for Dungeons and Dragons. Realm Storytellers are another. This is a young company based in Turkey I don't think it's one that many people had heard of until the launch of their Kickstarter and their 5e world of Civil Land. They did really well. They had previews of the game ready for launch, uh, press releases ready to go and they reached out to blogs in advance. They had a good pitch video and then once the campaign was launched they kept up with communications. I became a backer and took an eager look at the Civil Land campaign setting when the PDF became available this month. There's a more extensive review on Geek Native, but in summary, I liked it. Civil Land starts by talking about the Norse gods and their followers. Then it moves on to the history and geography of the land. We quickly discover that the gods are harsh. The history of the land is harsh, and the geography of the land is harsh. We're not playing in Waterdeep, where you can find a shopkeeper to sell you a padded pillow and some perfume. I think DRS have been quite brave with Civil land because they've clearly stated that some core character classes are not suitable for the game. There are no druids and there are no monks, for example. That will probably annoy some players. They've done the same with races. You cannot be a Viking warforged. There are, however, different human races. I think though they really mean different human cultures... I know it's common terminology to use races, but Pathfinder 2 made a swap, and I think other publishers can easily follow. At the same time, they've avoided creating too many new classes. They've created two. The Runewalker, which is a, a more physical wizard than the traditional spellcaster, and the Sadir, which gets access to druid magic as well as the dream and spirit realms. Wisely, they've simply reskinned the other classes, to make them fit better with the setting. For example, a bard could now follow the tradition of Bragi, clerics are known as Gothi, barbarians could be on the path of the Berserker, and paladins are known as Ali. Imagine that, playing as a paladin of Thor. That has more impact than playing a paladin of a god that's only mentioned once in some sets of core rules and with only a sentence or two about what they stand for. In all, Civil Land is a bloody and brutal game. Success comes from embracing D&D's high fantasy origins, rather than f- ignoring them or fighting against them. The result is something that doesn't feel high fantasy, it feels fantasy viking, and I like it. Right, and that's the fantasy vikings that the title of this episode talked about. Let's quickly get onto the three games. Montecook Cook Games landed a deal Um, to make the Carnival Roll RPG, and it's free. It's not really a full RPG, though. It's uh, three dozen pages of setting and character stat blocks for the Amazon show. If you've not seen the show yet, and I'm only two episodes in, then it's most easily described as a gritty police story with lots of fairies and in a steampunk world. As I said, I'm two episodes in, but the story feels relevant to today's politics. There's a focus on how we treat immigrants and people who are not precisely like us, and it features dodgy politicians. You will need Monty Cook's Cypher setting to play the game though, and that's not free. However, there is a free Cypher System Preview. I've not tested this myself, but I'm told you can successfully combine the free Carnival Row RPG with the free Cypher System Preview to create a functioning RPG. Now, Carnival Row wasn't the only freebie from Monty Cook this week, the company also released a free accessory called Consent in Gaming. Authors Sean K. Reynolds and Seaner Germain put this together. Yes, I suppose it's a shame that we need a product like this. However, I've discovered that common sense and common courtesy are not actually common at all. Despite Monte Cook Games, uh, Guide being both entirely optional and entirely free, I've seen people protest against its existence as if it was an affront to the hobby. It's not. And nor is it a sign that your hobby has been taken away from you. You can still play evil characters if you want. Horrible things can still happen in-game. This consent guide helps ensure that friendships are not wrecked. And what's wrong with that? So if you're interested in exploring the full and sometimes adult scope of RPGs and doing so in a way that doesn't upset your friends in the gaming group, then this free guide is one to consider. There's a set of freebies coming from KOCM2. To honour the first anniversary of founder Greg Stafford's death, from the 10th of October to the 31st of October, Chaosium will run WeAreAllUs. Gamers are encouraged to upload images of themselves playing games with that hashtag and Chaosium will give away scenarios for their main product lines in return. There are a lot of free scenarios here because Chaosium has a lot of great core products. They are RuneQuest, Call of Cthulhu, King Arthur Pendragon, Hero Quest, and now Seventh Fee. Have you ever wondered how the industry manages to maintain such a diverse number of games? Well, Kickstarter has been a big part of this. But sadly, some rumblings are coming out of Kickstarter, and they've grown loud enough for Evil Hat Productions to press pause on their Kickstarter efforts. Reports that Kickstarter have been founding staff who have been trying to organise a union seem to have been the last straw for Evil Hat. The RPG publisher will not launch our campaign for the second edition of the role-playing game Aegon next week, instead they'll be considering whether they stick with Kickstarter at all. This is significant, without Kickstarter there would not have been a Fate Core set of rules. and This is a set of rules used in a great many games. You could even make the argument that without Kickstarter there wouldn't still be an Evil Hat Productions. Kickstarter isn't a normal company is a public benefit corporation, which means it is legally obliged to consider the public good as well as making money. The crowdfunding platform has had rocky periods in the past, but things were settling down until last year when the neo-Nazis caused trouble by suggesting that a satirical comic called Always Punch Nazis broke the platform's guidelines by encouraging violence. Senior management stepped in, And rather than agreeing that it is always alright to punch Nazis, as it is, they overruled the community to take the comics campaign down. Employees were fired over the drama. Some of the survivors started to try and make a union. Their goal was to get a group strong enough to to be a counterweight for senior management. Kickstarter has said it will respect the voice of their employee community, but it doesn't see a need for a union. The news that some of these pro-union employees had been fired and apparently without the usual processes was the last straw for evil hat. This is developing news so we'll have to wait and see how events unfold. Kickstarter may recover again or public concern may mushroom and alternative platforms like Game on Tabletop may take more market share. Now, Kickstarter's employee troubles caught me off guard As did the news that Steve Jackson Games had partnered with Asmodee Digital on Munchkin. Asmodee is a huge board game company that seems to be buying up every indie it can find. As the name suggests, the digital arm turns board and card games into computer games. While we now have a trailer for Munchkin Quack Quest. I think Quack Quest is uh, best described as Dungeon Siege Munchkin mashup. Uh, you know, you, you fight through hordes and bosses to find loot and ducks. The, the surprising news continues. It turns out that the BBC has been working on a police procedural drama set in Discworld. <laughs> they have been adapting Terry Pratchett's The City Watch books into a show called The Watch. They announced that Richard Drummer has landed the lead role as Sam Vines. If you've watched Game of Thrones, you'll know Richard Drummer well. He played Berdick Donnerdon, you know, the man who lit up his sword. Now, if you're still to get into Game of Thrones, then I can't tell you much more about the character as he spoils pretty much everything. But lastly, while we're still talking about TV shows, let me mention that Geek Native published another genre of police this week. This time, Ben and the police took a look at the thriller genre. So if you're looking to add some thriller elements to your RPG or even run a better thriller RPG, then this is the article for you. Tips include making encounters snap with type vignettes and keeping the action and plot personal. Recommended games included Conspiracy X, Operators and even Eclipse Phase. As usual, thank you for listening. And a level 2 thank you and a bonus for Geek Nators, and Backers. See you next week.